0: Hey, it's Daylight Savings, which is awesome. Mom! Can
1: I come out of my room yet? Is it morning?
0: I don't know if we're falling back or moving forward or whatever it is. All I know is that my son is up at an ungodly hour. Come on, please! And I have nine million clocks in this apartment that I will learn how to change over the course of the next six months.
2: It used to be chill. It's all up in smoke. I think I'm still fun.
3: Parenting's a joke. I was cool. Oh yeah. Now it's hard to be cool. Oh yeah.
0: Hey listeners, hello. It's Ophira Eisenberg. This is Parenting is a Joke. You'll notice my voice is a little hoarse. Yeah, and yesterday I got a uh, flu shot in one arm and a booster in the other. So I'm at my all-time best, and I can't wait to do what we do on the show, which is talk to other creative people about their careers and what it's like to do it all with a kid thrown in the mix. Basically, how the fuck they handle it. So today I'll be talking to Eugene Merman about school and grief and his brief stint at an ad agency.
4: I was in charge of making business cards, so I, of course, made business cards that said that I was the vice president.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So my son recently asked me about the word grief. Yeah, just the word, because he'd heard it in the context of good grief, Charlie Brown. By the way, have you watched any Charlie Brown recently? Not the new ones. The classics. We watched The Great Pumpkin. And let me tell you, there is a lot of weird stuff on that. Snoopy goes on this huge World War I fighter pilot fantasy. I had to answer questions about that. It was too much. Being a parent is like hard enough without having to brush up on world history, okay? I didn't really want to explain grief. I was like, maybe I should have just put on Finding Nemo and explained what grief is like when a Barracuda eats your entire family. Okay, I said in episode one that I didn't want to have kids. That's real. That is totally true. I said this to everyone for years. I said it on stage. I said it off stage. And I would have all these flip deflections every time someone asked me, well, are you going to have kids? I'd be like, sure, but who's going to raise them? Or I live in New York. Where am I going to put them? I strongly believed it would be a bad idea for me to have a child for my life, for my career. I didn't have the money for it. And I thought it was selfish. It was tax on the planet to bring a kid into the world. By the way, all of these things are true, but I did it anyway, because fuck it. And I will admit, I never had a maternal urge. That was the other thing I felt terrible about. I remember in my mid-30s, many of my friends were saying things like, oh my God, when you see a baby, do you not just want to grab it and like eat it up? And I was like, no, 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 no. I want to run to a bar and drink alone. And then I turned 40, and you know what? Things kind of started to gel for me in my career. I was performing a lot, I was traveling, I wrote a book, and for a nanosecond, I felt satisfied. And then the next moment, after a routine test, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Early-stage breast cancer, I want to make that clear. And thus started my year of hell. As a performer, you know what? I did not respond to this by spinning the whole tragedy into comedy gold. I didn't take to social media and ask for thoughts and prayers. I did not live tweet it. I was destroyed. I barely talked to anyone about it. I was just trying to hold myself together as I went through one and then unexpectedly two surgeries and just hundreds of tests, six weeks of daily radiation, and, well, endless hours of trying to figure out what I did to deserve this. I didn't know who I was anymore. So after I finished all of the stuff, you know, you're just told to go back into your life. You're going to be screened and looked at forever and ever. So I tried to ease back into my old life. Do things that I did before. Nothing made sense. But just as I was starting to get a hold of it, I got pregnant. From my husband! I know! I could not believe it. I thought my body was against me, so this was totally beyond what I thought was possible on so many levels. I mean, it was like looking out over a patch of dry dirt and seeing one tiny green shoot. I mean, when the word pregnant showed up on that little digital window, I freaked out. It was also April 1st, so that added a little flair. I didn't know how to feel. I mean, should I be excited? Should I be worried? None of it really mattered because six weeks later, I miscarried, and the miscarriage felt A lot more significant to me because it allowed me to revert to my earlier conclusion that my body was against me it couldn't support life that it would always just be declining and then I got this call from my OBGYN saying the lab results showed that my miscarriage was something called a partial molar pregnancy you've probably never heard of this it's very rare It's a genetic mistake, and it doesn't have to do with age. doesn't have to do with past medical history. Bad luck, as they said. It just meant that instead of a fetus growing in there, it was a group of irregular cells. And what is a group of irregular cells? Cancer. Yeah, my own pregnancy had caused a cancer scare. And to make sure that it didn't form into a problematic cancer, what they wanted me to do was to get a blood test every week for six months. I wouldn't say my emotional state was suicidal. I did not want to destroy myself. I didn't think that was enough, honestly. I wanted to destroy everything. I wanted to rip up the sky, light everything on fire, and watch it all burn to the ground. It was a very dark six months. And then at the end of that six months, I went to this appointment at my OBGYN's office, and she said, okay, everything looks good. You could start trying again. And I remember I just stared at her in this heavy silence because I wasn't thinking about trying again. No, I was just trying to get to the point where I could feel stable, uh, maybe a little in control of my body. And she looked at me confused and said, well, you do want to have kids, right? <laughs> and instead of responding with one of my, you know, little flip deflections, I just said, it's too late. I'm too old now. And she reminded me delicately that most of her patients were of an advanced maternal age and suggested that we go get a blood test to see what my egg count looked like. I mean, a blood test. Well, if anything seemed normal, routine, and unemotional to me at that point was getting a blood test. I was an expert. So I walked into one of those quest diagnostic places. Can we agree? Those are the most casual medical environments on the planet. I mean, you open the door, it hits a wind chime, it's got the same low pile carpet that they have in dog kennels. The person changing the toner in the fax machine is also taking your blood. Okay, They fish out a syringe from a pencil case. You see highlighters floating around in there. There are no diplomas on the wall of a Quest Diagnostics. There's just lock-up instructions. But I got it done, and I walked out of there, and I just felt defiant. I ripped off the Band-Aid before I should have and let a little blood get on my leather jacket. It was noon, and I thought, huh, maybe I'll stop by a bar and have a couple whiskey shots. Maybe I'll start smoking again. But a few days later, I got this email from my OBGYN with a number I did not understand and a one-line note that just read, An encouraging number for someone your age. And I cried. I sobbed. Not because of the number. Because it was the nicest thing anyone in the medical community had said to me in years. My guest today is from Russia. You may know him as Gene from Bob's Burgers. Coming up, I'll be talking to Eugene Merman.
2: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury
1: He Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for 40% off site-wide at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
3: You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employer's respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu.
0: Welcome, Eugene. Thank you so much for joining us from the comfort of your home.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I'm very glad to be here.
0: You know, here we are. It's fall. yeah. How old is your child?
4: My son is six years old, and his name is Ollie.
0: Ollie is in grade one or two. I don't know how He's in grade off. one. He's in, He's in grade, grade one. Yeah. yeah, I forget how the yeah. cutoffs work in every place. Is he liking grade one?
4: He does like his school now. You know, I, th- I think on his first day of school, uh, he was telling us about, about his school experience, and he goes, you know, I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, I'm going to like this even more than kindergarten.
0: Oh, that is so sweet.
4: So I think he's, uh, I think like, you know, all things being equal, I think he's liking school.
0: What was your school experience like?
4: It was, I would describe it as uh, strongly unpleasant. (laughs) I'm sorry. I had a, yeah, I mean, it's not, I don't blame you at all. Um, But for me, the 80s was a time of cruelty.
0: Were you a good student?
4: <laughs> I graduated high school, and this is after bringing my grades up a bit. I graduated with a 2.1 grade point average. Uh, weighted, I think I recently saw the weighted average, and it was like 2.21. <laughs> it, it like <laughs> brought it up like to like a D plus D++ at the time.
1: But you
0: continued. You went to college.
4: I did go to college.
0: You went to um, Hampshire College. Yes. It's a very nice liberal arts school.
4: It was wonderful. And actually, there I got to design my own major and sort of focus on the things I love. Though, though even in that, like, I had to do a very big science project that did come close to derailing my experience. But I did persevere and wrote a paper on the physiology of laughter and also learned <laughs> logarithms. My dad drove up to college and spent, like, two days with me teaching me logarithms. And then he was a mathematician. So then oh. then I understood them and, and eventually graduated college.
0: What did you graduate with?
4: A Bachelor of Arts in Comedy. <laughs>
0: Unbelievable. Bachelor of
4: Arts.
0: (laughs) Okay, that's great. You designed your own curriculum, uh, which is perfect. It is perfect because I want to kick things off right now to a game. Sure. So this game is called Kids Independent Elementary School Curriculum or Wellness Retreat. (laughs) Your son, Oliver, is going to school. I don't know what kind of curriculum he has, but there's some wild ones out there. So I'm going to read an activity, and you just have to say if it's a lesson plan at an independent primary school, or is it from a wellness retreat for adults? Right. All right here we go. How about beekeeping? Ugh.
4: <laughs> I'm going to say that could be an elementary school.
0: It's definitely a wellness retreat. It turns out that if you can't have peanuts in a school— bees are pretty unlikely
4: oh yeah because of allergies you know allergies someone recently told a story of them being in first grade at a montessori school and dissecting a cat What? Uh, and so yeah exactly so that made me reassess what is possible did you say first grade bees yeah first grade (laughs) but you're right bees like nobody would bring a bunch of bees to kids but something they'd maybe consider in the south of france
0: Okay, how about yeah. grinding coffee beans and prepping single serve drip coffee?
4: That is a hundred percent something that is for children.
0: Yes, yeah, it's at several Montessori schools, supposedly.
4: Exactly, that is why I'm aware of it.
0: Does your uh, son? My son
4: does not prep coffee, but I am aware <laughs> of other children who have. I think it's to practice like things that are from the real world. Though, admittedly, why you're practicing something that is like in your mid twenties, I don't know.
0: <laughs> the real world. All right, everybody, here's something else from the real world. Today, we're going to make a crantini. <laughs> okay, how about crying?
4: As like a thing that's taught? Yeah. that's That sounds, I mean, look, it's all possible, but I'm going to say that feels very wellness retreat.
0: It is totally wellness retreat. There's crying retreats, and who are they geared at?
4: I don't know. I imagine anyone over 40. Men. <laughs> Yeah,
0: just anyone yeah. over 40.
4: I had more of an age group, but, yeah, I feel like that's fair. I feel like I cry uh, a normal uh, amount, but, uh, but I also probably don't, like, cry in front of my child all the time because I'd like to create the illusion of stability.
0: <laughs> Everything's an illusion. Okay, Eugene, that's the game. Uh, you, Eugene, we know you from so many projects and TV and obviously uh, as the voice of Gene Belcher on Bob's Burgers, But I know that you graduate with a degree in comedy. You still have to pay for your life while you're putting together your career. Oh,
4: yeah. That isn't a ticket to success. (laughs) Yeah, right. I would send a picture of something that said Bachelor of Arts to (laughs) lots of networks. And they were like, let's put you on.
0: (laughs) Thank goodness. But as you were making your way, did you have desk jobs? Did you work in yeah. service industry? I tempt and I
4: worked at an ice cream parlor for a long time in Cambridge, Massachusetts, called Tuscanini's. It, mm. it was a great ice cream parlor. I mean, my rent was very cheap. I had a rent that was like two hundred and sixty-two dollars when I was first in, in in Boston. So basically I would like I tempted fidelity for a little while, but I would call in sick half the week because I only needed like <laughs> <laughs> Like a few hundred dollars for rent and bills and then I also like had comedy shows where I would make like 80 bucks but I you know eventually like worked at a web company like full time uh, doing something vague in the creative department
0: (laughs) right in the beginning where they're like I don't know I think your title is creative
4: yeah they were like creative associate and I was like great
0: (laughs) sounds good business cards why thank you
4: I actually I was in charge of making business cards so I of course made business cards that said that
0: I was the vice president (laughs) See, that comedy degree has helped you in every single aspect.
4: The way I got that job is on my resume at the time, I had a section, aside from my real skills, I wrote a section that was words I know, and I wrote brick, and I think another word, and then I wrote brick again. (laughs) And then they were like, that's why we hired you. We thought that was funny.
0: Oh, my goodness. Switching gears a little bit, did you always want to be a father? I would say yes.
4: I would say that I always uh, wanted to... Be a father and have kids. Yeah. I think I also really wanted like a career and sort of had that, you know, as the thing in the forefront. But yeah, I, I, I always wanted sort of a family and a, a child.
0: Yeah. So when you were a little kid, did you want to babysit or anything like that? I didn't
4: want a child like I like had a doll, but I was like, I'll eventually learn to not yell at you <laughs> <laughs> and to like give you sound advice and answer your
0: strange questions warmly. <laughs> I wish that's how it went for all of us. That'd be great. (laughs) For, you know, so many people, I think there is a misconception about conceiving, which is a fun combination of words, but there's a misconception that it's very straightforward having a child, but most people actually come to acquiring their child, I will say, in a huge variety of ways. And I know your set of um, circumstances, you used a surrogate.
4: Yes, yes. So my wife, Katie, who who's died had cancer, you know, she had it twice. So the first time that she had cancer, we decided to make embryos. We weren't married yet, but knew that we wanted to be together and have a child. And then when she got cancer the second time, you know, we didn't know, you know, how long um, and she lived for several years after that. But then we sort of yeah, we, we had considered having a child through a surrogate or with her, you know, with our embryo. And then, sort of, decided to have the child through a surrogate. There was like a, a, an agency that she found that helps you find surrogates, and we met this very lovely woman on Skype. Um, and you talk to her, and and they try to match you with, like, they interview you and the and the surrogates, and they try to match people, which they did a you know a great job of. Yeah. So yeah, so they. Uh, matched us and we then, you know, went through this long process that, you know, the whole thing is probably a few years. Right. And uh, then we had Oliver.
0: And I just want to say that, you know, when I heard that Katie died, I, of course, uh, just it's heartbreaking. And I'm very, very sorry. I can't even imagine the grief and sadness of going through that, losing a partner. Thank you. She died three years ago. Is that right? Yeah. You have a new kid at home, a baby, and you're grappling with mortality in so many different ways, a very immediate way. What were some of the things that you and Katie agreed upon to create a world where you can support a small child while she is dealing with treatment and a prognosis and you also have this newborn It was brand new situation that no one knows how to approach?
4: I mean, first of all, a lot of it Involved sort of moving much closer to home and having more family around. And it involved, you know, we hired a nanny who could help. So that was, you know, obviously very fortunate. Uh, but you kind of create the tapestry of what will end up making it all sort of plausible. Um, yeah. I obviously like traveled significantly less, but she also, you know, she had cancer for overall for, you know, nine, 10 years. You know, she had something like 15. Or so different kinds of medication over the years. So sometimes for nine months, she'd actually be doing pretty good. Then when that stopped working, you would try something else and it would either work or not. So there were many times where, like, we could still travel or do things as a family. And mm-hmm. a lot of it was simply removing as much of the onus of anything off of her so that she could, you know, do as much as she could, but didn't have to.
0: Right. Gathering all the support, you move home so yeah. you have. Family support, friend support, yeah. hire a nanny, nanny support. What did you do to support yourself?
4: I got a therapist. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I think like continued to work and Katie also supported me a lot. Like I think that, you know, it's like anything, you're just finding ways to make everything work to the best that you can.
0: Right, every day just like, how are we doing it today? Yeah,
4: you're just trying to have a, a something to look forward to trying to make the best of it. In a sense, you're not living like, Each day is your last. You're living probably like like maybe each like month or two. Right. So you still have things to look forward to to plan, you know, within reason.
0: Yeah, I have actually feel very strongly about this sort of feeling of like live every day is like your last is the worst advice for anyone. I think that you have to live your life like you were looking forward, even if it's a week or a month, or whatever. That's how you have to live life.
4: Yes. I think that also Katie very much, like, wanted to live as much as she could.
0: Yeah. Not similar, but I just want to throw out something to you. I was in a toy store. My son was a baby. We were looking around, and this woman walked in with her son. I believe he was three or four. couldn't read yet. And he was like, I want a balloon. I want a balloon. And she said, no, look at that sign and she said it's it says no balloons today but the sign said no cash refunds exchanges only right right and i remember thinking oh that's horrible and then i was like or is it brilliant uh, and you know, I think there's a lot of ways you do white lies with your child when they're young to make your life easier. Like, oh, your your show on TV only comes on at 10 a.m. or something like that, or you can't use yeah. the iPhone. Whatever. You do all these little things, and sometimes I would I would want to protect my child, so sometimes there were little white lies in that. But then, for me, in a very close succession, our dog died, and then my mom died there was no version of there's no balloons today.
4: Right, right, right.
0: And I found myself uh, struggling. And I I think in some ways I handled it well.
4: Yeah. So Ollie was, he's six now and he was three and a half when Katie died. And actually figuring out how to talk to him about it was, was sort of a big thing. Because the truth is, it's not that I wouldn't have said that, you know, Katie died and now he knows. It's more that like a three and a half year old, the concept of life and death isn't exactly clear. So I think that, you know, I talked to my therapist, and she is like a child psychologist. So so the way she suggested talking about it at first, which was actually, I think, really great was I sort of I told him that, uh, you know, that she that she was sick and that she is gone and that she's in a safe place, but we can't visit her and she can't visit us. So it was sort of the idea that yeah that she's in a safe place but we can't go to her and she can't come to us and we'll and we will never be able to see her again right you know and and since then you know obviously like now he knows that mama died and you know we talk about her and he asks questions and i answer them and he asks a lot of questions about health and how old people are and you know he is always curious if i was older than mama or if his like great grandmother is older, and you know right. he asks a lot of questions, but you know you really just answer everything truthfully without like going down the rabbit hole of offering so much information that he's like, wait, how do bones decay? Like you don't really need anything there, and I think the goal is not to like go like, oh, and it was the dog's choice, and he chose to leave you, um, <laughs> but.
0: Right that's terrible the dog said he wanted to take off.
4: Yeah, he said he had quote better things to do. <laughs> um no, so you you know you you I think talk about it honestly and, and also warmly and I mean also like stress of course that you know she loved him and that she didn't want to go but she was very sick. Mm-hmm. Um yeah.
0: But on top of all of this grieving and dealing with a global pandemic Right after that, so many big things and life changes. Your career is in comedy. Did you connect more to any of your, you know, desire for creativity in a cathartic way, or were you just more into the sillier, the better?
4: It's so funny because I do have like some stories that I think are very funny from hospice to after to before. Katie and I would laugh all the time, and there was, you know, there is a lot of stuff that could be very funny. But I also think like, for me, some of it is that my stand-up, though, it isn't exactly personal, it is very anecdotal. So depending on the stories I want to tell about anything, there is the simple fact that like, my wife died. And um, when you think about like telling almost any story, there's so many ways that impacts it. So I'm, you know, I'm on the fence about how I necessarily work that into standup or not. I do realize that I do love doing silly things. But even mm-hmm. some of the silly things like, and I tell the story like me going to, because it's our embryo, I went to a sperm bank. And um, uh, when I got there, the, the guy at the front desk was like, oh my God, we love Bob's Burgers. <laughs> and, you know.
0: You're like, great thing this is feeling anonymous already.
4: Yeah, exactly, this is not the anonymous <laughs> medical experience I was really hoping to have. You know, so there's like that, and then it's like you tell that story and it's easy to tell it and not say the bigger picture, or you can. But yeah, like, you know, one of the things that was nice is that there's a documentary that Julie uh, Smith, who produces the festival I did and a lot of stuff with me, and she directed it. Right. The
0: film is called It Started as a Joke, right?
4: Yes. Yes. There's, you know, a lot of stuff in there about it. And and I think that it is the sort of thing that, again, like this, like I'm very happy to discuss it, whether it's specifically in stand up or not. I don't know. But I'm like happy to talk about it and share feelings and and do everything from joke to, you know, uh,
2: just commiserate.
0: Right, because it's part of your life.
2: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You're
3: ready for a comeback.
2: And with Purdue Global, you can do
3: more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time. Your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu.
0: So I just heard some happy news about you that you recently got engaged. Yes. Congratulations. That's amazing. How did you meet Teresa, your fiance?
4: Um, she's actually a very old friend of mine. And we sort of started, you know, FaceTiming during the pandemic then sort of FaceTimed for many months uh, then started dating.
0: I think that's so wonderful. I'm so happy for you. Thank
4: you very much.
0: I mean, so many people bring uh, new partners into their lives and, and their kids' life for a different reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is she to your son? Do, did you guys decide how he will refer to her?
4: Well, I mean, he calls her by her name. We, we sort of leave it to him and he will kind of say things like, we were actually talking about the wedding or they were talking about the wedding recently. And he was like, since I'm your kid and you're my friend and you like me, like, what role like can I have in like, oh. the wedding? And it was so sweet. And he really is so sweet. And they have actually just such a beautiful relationship. I think that, I forget it, maybe Patton might have said this, like that your heart sort of grows. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of it is like, you know, Ollie and I still talk about uh, Mama uh, all the time. And he asks questions and he's very aware of her. And then he's also very much aware of uh, Teresa and her presence here in, in his life. And I, I find it just very like wonderful.
0: You know, when you just told me that little thing that he said about the wedding, this is something that I never expected because I'm dealing with having a child for the very first time. But sometimes when I am grappling with the right way to talk about something, sometimes the kid does the work for you in such a beautiful way that you're like, yeah, that's how I kind of wanted it to go.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of it is him like he, I think, has maybe a few times has said something like, since you're my mom, you know, or since you're my parents to us uh, in this way. And and that's great. But we also don't go like you have to do this or that. And, and then I think the truth is the word mama he specifically uses for Katie yes. and I specifically use for Katie. But mostly he calls her by her name. And I think it's like probably what it was like in the 70s when everyone had a uh, cool, cool disco parents.
0: Yeah, my nieces call their parents by their first name, just the way. It oh, is. really?
4: Yeah. Ollie, he loves calling me Eugene. It is really <laughs> funny. He'll go like, "Hey, Eugene," and then he'll laugh and laugh and laugh, and I also laugh. And then recently, he was like, "I just call you by the name that makes you laugh." I was <laughs> like, "Okay."
0: My son does my entire name, so he'll be like, "Hey, Ofira Jasmine Eisenberg," and then he thinks that's oh. hilarious.
4: I mean, look, he's not wrong. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much for joining me, Eugene. It was so amazing to talk to you.
4: Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun.
0: You can hear Eugene on Bob's Burgers, Sunday nights on Fox. You can also catch him live at the Bell House in Brooklyn on November 16th at the launch party for the new record label PGF Records. Get all the info at EugeneMerman.com. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. Leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts if you can find four to seven minutes in your day. I really appreciate it. See you next Tuesday. And if you're around the Hudson Valley this weekend, I'm part of a wonderful storytelling series in Beacon, New York, called The Artichoke. It's on Saturday, November 12th. Details at OphiraEisenberg.com. Find me on the socials at OphiraE and check out my new comedy special filled with parenting jokes called Plant-Based Jokes. Our episode is produced by me and Julie smith Clem. Our editor is Nina Porzuki. Our sound designer is Tina Toby Mack. Our contributing writer is Lucy Huber. Our production assistant is Abigail Shepard. Our game writer is Emily Winter. Our theme song and music is by Adira Amram and The Experience. Special thanks to all of the engineers at CityVox. Lucas, tell me a joke, please.
1: Okay, knock, knock. Who's there? Repeat. (laughs) Repeat who? Who, 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 who? How long do I have to do this? (laughs) You said repeat who, so I I repeated who.
0: I I, I asked for it. It's my fault, right? Yeah. Yeah,
1: It is so your fault! Oh, yeah!